It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Cindy Stumpo's a general contractor. Look, whatever happens between the roof and the foundation for 25 years. Years and counting, Stumpo's been building houses and shattering stereotypes. Building a home and building a life. This is my show and this is where we're going. Cindy Stumpo is tough as nails. There's a place in the world where they all know me. And welcome to Cindy Stumpo, Tough as Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. All right, so I have both of my kids in the studio. Chad, what's going on, yourself. everybody? It's Chad Stumpo. Okay. My other kid? Sammy. Oh, God. There we go. Everybody knows Sammy on radio. And that's Samantha Stumpo. Who's our guest tonight? Anybody want to help me? I got my kids with me. Hello. This is like <laughs> school. Anybody want to raise their hand? Megan, Megan Kenny. Okay. So let, let Megan talk about who Megan is. But first, we're going to do a two-segment this weekend and next weekend all about battling addiction prior to COVID. We've done many shows with Megan. While we're in COVID, what's the last year been like? Uh, for addicts, alcoholics, um, how bad it's been out there, and how we can try to stop the train wreck. And we're going to touch upon everything we possibly can with Megan. Megan, can you give my listeners your background, please? I sure can. Thank you, Cindy. It's nice to see you guys. It's nice to be back. Back with the Stumpo crazy family? <laughs> nice back to see you with too, the Megan. Stumpo crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this so... People probably remember from the last few times that I've been on the show, but... Um, Megan, you've been my main guest on drug addiction now for four years, right? <laughs> We're going to four years. Yes, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I have to say I speak from the inside out because I'm recovered myself eight and a half years from opioid addiction. My dad is also in recovery from addiction, so I have this close to me in terms of who around me has suffered and moved through this. I've lost more than 40 friends, family members, classmates to opioid overdoses. Um, I've been working in the mental health field as a therapist, consultant, coach, sober companion for eight and a half years and just opened up my own coaching practice. So still going strong, yeah. Nice to hear that. Okay, that's a pretty big resume. And just real fast, for people have never heard you on my show because we bring on new listeners all the time. You say you're eight years clean, right? And she's fly. shaking her head. Nobody yeah. can hear that. Yes. Yeah, we're yes. not on TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. the sound. Okay, gotcha. So eight years clean. And has that eight years been a battle for you? You've been comfortable in your own skin? Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about the modalities that I use when I'm helping people move through this is I don't subscribe. My personal story is that I don't subscribe to addiction being a daily battle for me. I fought the battle up front. I used Vivitrol as a medication, which blocked any opioid high that I could have gained at that time. I was on that medication for three and a half years and did a lot of work on myself in that time as I had that safety net. They say that safety net. So I think in terms of where I moved into my recovery after I came off that medication and knew that I didn't have that safety net anymore, it sort of, I, I had to sort of like be called to the, to the plate as to how well I was able to manage this myself. And I think just through the work that I've done, even coming off of that medication, where I've come from since, in the process that I've been in, in the self-discovery um, trajectory that, that I call it, um, I've delved into meditation. My spiritual practice has gotten stronger. I teach meditation now. That's my model that I use to teach folks. 
Um, and I really, for those who know about psychology and know about consciousness, Carl Jung has done phenomenal work and has been sort of a legend in the world of psychology when it comes from states of consciousness, the perspective on what that means and how it helps heal people. But I've really taken that research and have applied it to my own life. So I don't face a you know, daily I, You know, I don't have a drug addiction problem, but I have a mental health problem. Like, can you calm me down? Can you cure me? Yeah. Well, you really well, believe in all that, right? Yeah, I really do. I really do. And I think what, where we're headed now in the landscape of addiction treatment and the fact that we're really stepping outside the box here in terms of what interventions we're exploring from a research perspective, we are really shattering some ground here on how people can cure themselves, heal themselves, and actually be free from addiction long term. So... Okay, so let's start here. Let's, we can, let's go, we're going to go backwards, forward, backwards, forward, okay, because we're going to do two sessions. Um, we're going to have this weekend and next weekend, so I'm going to be all over the place here. Sure. Let's start with the youth and the people that have been stuck home through this pandemic, and they've never been big drinkers, and they've never been drug users, right? And um, you go to any liquor store right now, it looks like New Year's Eve, like every night. Newton, Brookline, yep. you know, everything. everything's off the shelf. Literally. Everything. Crazy. Yep. So now parents that have kids that are in their early 20s, right, or teens, and they start the drinking. And then what these kids think is drinking was going to start with alcohol because that's very easily available. Yep. It's in every parent's home, right? Yep. You got to go look for the opioids in their medicine cabinets. Um, but the alcohol's right there. When does a mom and dad start to say, well, my kid's drinking not twice a week on weekends anymore. My kid is drinking three nights, and three nights turning into four nights. Or my husband, or my wife. I've always said dual diagnostics has always been my terminology. I've been saying it for, th I've been in construction for 33 years. I always saw at a depression, anxiety, um, socially inept. I saw all these underlying mental issues and most of my, my friends growing up, right, 1982, 79, 78, 80, was really just the Coke generation. Yep. Nobody was really doing heroin. We had already passed that in the 60s and 70s. That was gone. So if I had friends, and they really weren't big drinkers. They wanted to go dance. They wanted to do, go hit a couple lines, go dance, and that was it. Like, yep. no one was getting too crazy with anything, and it was fun. Right. So now you're seeing these kids just want to get... I'm watching on Instagram. They just want to get not drunk. They want to get shattered. They want to get annihilated. You yeah. know, it's like, all go. What happened to go out, have a couple cocktails, have a good time, stay in, have a couple cocktails, have a good time? What is happening here? What am I seeing? Even with, now I, I've got one daughter, that's Samantha, you know, 33. My son's 27. I figured, okay, by 27, 28, he'll be out of that stage, part-time, fun time. Yeah, that didn't happen. We just got back from Miami, right? <laughs> no, and but honestly, from what I'm seeing, go ahead. at my age, back in the day, like the 80s, you what guys day? Had, You weren't around then. I'm you wouldn't saying, even have thought back watch, then. Watch him, watch him, watch him movies. We didn't even here. want you back Hold then, on, okay? Just, you know, <laughs> go ahead. Just, just hear stories from you. <laughs> you guys had dance clothes back then. You had music to dance to. Now it's all techno, drug, alcohol, blacking out. It's it's no real music. There's nothing to dance to. You're jumping around like an idiot. You guys are jumping around like idiots. That's it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not fun. Dumbest thing I've ever seen. It is. See, my son would have been perfect as John Travolta in 1982. <laughs> he would have loved that scene. Yep. So, my question is, when do these people realize, like, dude, you're past party time, fun time. This is a problem for you now. How does a mother, father? 
that are responsible, reliable, helping their children? How are the parents that are responsible, reliable, helping each other? Right. Talk to me. I'm going to, the floor's all yours now. You know I went all over the place on this one. Well, I think you ask a good question because I think if we just look at the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for... What does that mean? Can you talk in dumb yeah, terms? I'm, like gonna, I'm bringing it all the way down. I'm okay. going to start here. I'm coming right down with you guys, all right? So that's sort we of... You already like, know you're smart. You just bring it down, okay? <laughs> I'm taking like it down. I'm going to spell it okay. out. Ready? Layman's term. So the DSM-5 is what people in my field, psychologists, therapists... Also, you know that people have the attention span of a flea now, right? Uh, five okay, seconds, okay. I think we're at <laughs> In, in, in the United States or for attention span. There you go. All right, so if we just look at the criteria of when we actually can say clinically that this is a problem on paper when it meets that criteria yeah. is when your functioning has actually taken a hit. So and this is where it gets tricky because I work with folks who actually can hold it together for quite a long time and it's still a problem. And what evidence do I have to say you have a problem if they're able to hold it all together, show up to work every day, make they're not living. in date, make, they're, they're not so in debt. So a functioning alcoholic, a yeah, functioning a addict. Exactly. Right. So we're able to well, function to that degree most addicts after a while can't function. Exactly. And most alcoholics won't function either. There's that small group that can maintain. Right. Okay? Yeah. But Sooner it's, it's going to catch small. up to you. It very does catch small. up. So, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. And it catches up. And I think that's that's the key is for if you have loved ones in, in your life that you're concerned about, unfortunately, you can't speed up people's timeline as to how they get their wake-up call. And that's just the bottom line. And that's where the family work is so important about relinquishing your control over what you have what you have control over and you never have control over somebody else's patterning of alcohol or drug use. You just, you also have no control over their wake up moment. So you have to do the work on yourself to be able to sit back and say, it's not my job to interject on this person's path. Megan, hold that thought. Yes. That's how me go off to break. I'm yes. Cindy Stumple and you listen to Tough as Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030 and we will be right back. Sponsored by National Lumber, Pella Windows, Stoke Corp and Next Day Molders. WBZ News Radio 1030, and I'm Cindy Stumpo, and I'm here with Samantha and Chad, and my favorite guest, Megan King. Okay, those are what we call lyrics in a song, and that's the type of music, like, when you want to feel bad for yourself, you put it on, you have a good cry. She's staring at my brother, for the when record. you want to have a good time. <laughs> no, no one knows what she's pointing and, like, giving him the evil nice eye, like, you better listen. From 1978 to 1982, right and then after that, your music stinks. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead, Megan. Pick up where you left off. So what I was saying basically is that if you're a loved one, you know, the work is for you to really figure out a way to relinquish the control that you think you have over this person's wake up call. So what you're saying is use. we cannot stop you. I hate to say it that way. I really do. So but if on. I'm being transparent, 100% no BS, yes, that is the case. Okay, so... So essentially, if well, someone doesn't want to get help, it's not going to work. Yeah, you, we, you, know, you have we, to we, want we, to get we, help listen, to better yourself. Okay, we all know this. But here's the problem. The mother that loves their child, the husband that loves their wife, the wife that loves their husband, the child that loves their mother or father, they want to fight for them more than that person with the addiction wants to fight for themselves. Exactly. So it tears apart a whole entire family, right? Yeah. It's affecting everybody in that household. Yeah. One bad seed is taking out the whole, one bad apple yep. is taking down the whole apple tree. You should right? say temporary bad apple because oh, they can change on. their life. Maybe and maybe not. See, here's where hold the on, hold youth. Hold on, because they're doing drugs doesn't that make them a bad person. No, Chad, I'm not saying a bad person. I said it brings down a whole family. It does. Okay, and while the person's off and running, whether it's alcohol or drugs, 
the rest of the family is suffering severely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the person that's getting high is, is, has an addiction problem. It also has a selfish problem, too. Well, it is, is, but it is suffering, too, himself, him or herself. Agreed. But again, where is the empathy that the addict has to eventually look in the mirror and say, listen, I am destroying everybody. I am taking down a whole entire family. When do they look in the mirror and say, I love these people? But do they or don't they? Or is the addiction so... Because this is what's going to... This is the first thing people want to say is why. Mm -hmm. Why is my husband doing this? Why is my wife doing this? Why is my child doing this? Why, why, why? If you've never sat in those shoes, you don't comprehend, right? You don't comprehend my panic attacks. You'd have to have one to understand them. And you have to have another one and another one. So I'm not going to understand alcohol. And I'm not going to understand drug addiction. Even though I've been surrounded by it most of my life, right? I still ask why, 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 why? So I see it this way. And, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm talking from two sides. Sure. One side will see it as they're selfish. They're this. They're that. Why did you have it? Like I used to say to my kids, don't try it. And then you'll never know that you did or didn't like it. But no, they got to go try things. And I got a son that's more adventurous than my daughter. <laughs> she at least vicariously lives through me a bit. The other one has to slam into a wall himself. Right? I but here's the, the big way. one. When you Most slam, of us have to learn the hard way. But what parents need to understand, and we all need to understand about addiction, is when you fall into a wall one time and you don't realize, oh boy, that was a bad mistake. I'm never doing that again. And then you go and do it again and again and again. That going against that wall didn't teach you anything because that body, you put that substance in your body that first time, you've never tried it prior and it got you. Mm-hmm. The monkey's on your back for the rest of your life. Yep. It's a simple, don't do it, don't try it. You'll never know if you like it or don't like it, right? That's true. But they don't want to listen. Right. So now okay, we can find I, out. Can I say something? As much as my family's all in each other's BS or whatever. Oh, all of it. Since I've been a baby, you've always said to me, if you want to try something, come to me to talk about it, to do it. That's probably the reason why I never cared. Right, because yes. you didn't have that resistance. To right. Like, Ooh, I want to venture and try this yeah. and test everything that everybody's telling me. About, it, w- it wasn't like, you know, oh, this is happening. My parents don't know what that is, and I want to do it just because they don't know. I never had that. So maybe a lot of this is the fact that nobody likes to communicate. I don't know. All I do know is this. My father raised me the same way. You want to try something? We try in this house. Right. Okay? It was the same thing that also, like, and if I, you're going to do it, you tell the truth. You don't get in trouble. You lie. Right, so oh, yeah. I don't like the lies. So oh, that, yeah. That's the thing. The lies, the lies, and that the is lies. a part that I describe the lies as a part and the selfishness. I'm not going to tell you that we're not incredibly selfish when we're in active addiction. I'd be lying to you if I told you that wasn't the case. Some of the most selfish behavior I've ever observed in my life is in an active addict. Why? But Maggie, wait, wait, but why? Well, you got to think about it like this: all the questions that you have about why we keep doing the same thing. We have the same questions, too, because we can't figure it out. When we're stuck in that cycle, we're like, why are we doing this over and over again? We hate this. I used to cry on the way to my drug dealer because that's how much I hated. When I say hated, I mean hated every ounce of myself, hated every ounce of what I was doing, and I could not stop. Why? So do you find that most addicts and alcoholics want to stop or don't want to stop? 
or age plays a role in figuring this out? I think there are a number of factors that that really play a role. I think if you ask anybody who's suffering with active addiction, and if they could snap their fingers and have this problem go away tomorrow and they didn't have to suffer through having to put all the pieces back together and deal with all the shame and the guilt of all the pain that they've caused everyone that they do love, um, they would take that. They would take that opportunity. Nobody wants to be out on Mass Ave living in those conditions and active addiction. Nobody wants to be suffering behind the walls of their home because they can't talk about the fact that they have an addiction going on and they can't tell anybody. But I don't get this. We're in a world where we talk about everything now. We talk about anything and everything. Men or women, women or men. We're doing whatever. Everybody don't care. But if you weren't raised that way, you still don't act that way. Okay, so what if mom and dad or the, the, the wife or the husband... Come on, mom. Growing up, how many of my friends came and wanted to talk to you and didn't talk to their own parents? Okay. They come and, and just and sit there the and talk to her for friends, hours. And it still happens to this day. Yeah. Even new friends I meet. Yeah, and you've got to think about it. No matter how much we normalize it, we still know inherently that putting a needle in your arm or putting that bottle to your lips is not actually working in your favor or anyone else's favor around you. So we can talk about it till we're blue in the face and we're still going to have that guilt okay. and shame. But what about parents going like this? Okay, my kid wants to go to Mexico. They're breaking out now, right? They want to break out. Yep. This has been a tough year. Yep. They're going, okay? <laughs> yeah. My son just got back from Miami. He ran, like ran, all right? Like, from Thursday night till last night, we didn't sleep. I don't know. I, no. I don't even know when we finally did go to sleep. I just went for dinner and went home. Yeah, okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, like... I think, and I say, oh, he's at the wrong party with the wrong people. They put out lines. He says to himself, you know, I'm going to do a line. Not a big deal. And it's this got didn't s- happen. This is yeah, what she's thinking in her head. This what is talking my about. brain. Yeah, yeah, this is my brain yeah. going, okay? Yep. I'm watching Jesus. I'm watching on Instagram. They're on yachts. They're here. They're, I'm like, oh, God. She know, also watched too many Lifetime movies. Lots of Lifetime movies. <laughs> but you know what? They put out some coke, ba ba ba. And who knows what's in that Coke? This is not 1982. That is correct. Where there was no fentanyl and cocaine, okay? Yep. And the chances that you died from cocaine was very slim, okay? You had a pound to, to, to die, your heart. But then there was those people, we know the stories. But again, every time you snort that line of Coke, you take that chance, even though you're not doing heroin, you're not doing pills. You snort a line of Coke, you want to straighten out from drinking. That's, I guess that goes hand in hand to get you straight from drinking. And they're dead. Your yeah. kid is dead. I'm not worried about my husband and my wife at, at, in the 50s, but I guess you have to, right? But it, it's your kid. Yeah, and, and that's what's scary about this You get this that right call, now. they're at a party having fun. Yep. Please explain to my listeners so they can explain to their children that think, oh, I'm never going to do heroin. That's right. like that's being a drug addict, right? We all look back at that those, the, those days. Yep. Yeah, you, were, you did coke, you were fine. You did dope, you were a real drug addict. Like, that was the, that was the epitome of a drug addict. Well, it's all yeah. the same. Well, and I'll just say, I'll just reflect some numbers just based on um, the state of Massachusetts on where we're at with overdose death I rates. I want to hear this. June 2019 to May 2020, we had an increase of 38.4% of synthetic opioid overdose deaths. And we had an increase of 26.5% of these deaths involving cocaine. So cocaine is actually a big piece to this puzzle. And it's because the fentanyl is the same color as the cocaine. So when drug dealers are adding the fentanyl to their supply of whatever it is, if it's cocaine, you actually can't tell the difference. And that's what's so scary about this. So I would just take the position, just very briefly, to just share with people from a harm reduction perspective, if you are using 
and you're going to continue using, you better get yourself some fentanyl test strips. And if you went out and bought cocaine and you're going to use it, and I'm not saying you should, but if that's the decision that you're going to make, you better test that to make sure there's no fentanyl in that before you decide to engage. Oh, great. So our kids are going to be scientists checking and, their and this, cocaine. It's not even cokes anymore. It's, they're putting fentanyl in weed. But he, yeah, exactly. But, okay. Wait, from a drug dealer standpoint, why would you want to kill that, your client? Sam, Sam that's been, Sam, they, they that has the been the biggest topic. They're trying to make exactly. money. They're trying They've put in there to make. They don't more. care if they kill you or not. Okay, number one, they do care. They're killing their clients. No one wants to kill their clients. Their clients bring the money. Bad business thinking. Okay. <laughs> Bad business model. Bad business model. Yeah, that doesn't fly. Let me kill my clients so no one comes back and buys more. What they're doing is they're not. They're just putting everything and anything in, just and then some people them. dying. Yeah. It, it, no, they want you to get addicted to cocaine. Yeah, cocaine. But it's also why they're out of the Chad, Cocaine was a mental addictive drug. It was never a. Hold that thought. I'm Cindy Stumpo, and we'll be right back. Sponsored by Village Bank, Smaller Insurance, Floor and Decor, and Kennedy Carpet. And welcome back to Tough as Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. And I'm sorry about that short outtake, but we were all enthralled into a conversation. And I couldn't get, get ourselves to break. Sorry. I'm going to say it again. Okay. She's the expert on addiction. I'm the expert on common sense. Okay. <laughs> common sense is. Yes. That's going on your make, headstone too. Let's make it. cocaine a physical addicting drug. Yeah. Where cocaine was mentally addicting. Meaning, oh, you did a line of coke. Everybody loved each other. It was clear. So I love you. I love you. I love you. I was, Shut up, everybody. Get away from me. Everybody, <laughs> like, everybody loves everybody. Much. It was 1982. <laughs> now, they come off it. They go home. They have a couple of cocktails. It was over and done. See you next weekend at Studio 4. And we'll do the, well, I love you again. Whatever show, whatever. Oh, bleep that one. Now, y'all doing coke. And you do one line. And you're dead on the ground. Yep. Okay. What, Tommy, where we're going with that, that these kids or adults think this is fun. You're playing Russian roulette. Why don't you just take my take a 38, put your, your head, put one bullet in it, and just keep snapping and take a shot. Yeah. Because that's what you're doing. That's literally equivalent to what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Because people shooting dope know. They know when they put that needle in their arm, they're taking a risk. Yep. People snorting coke don't know that. That's true. Okay? So they're not even thinking that... Holy moly, I can do this one line with one bump or whatever you people call it. Now, what do you aliens call this cocaine thing? A bump, a line, what? Just, I want to make sure I'm cool here. <laughs> I want to make it. sure I'm dope. That's right. Lingo. <laughs> That's it? A, a bump? A, a bump, a line? Okay. I don't know what you, you call yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it's still called a line. Yeah, yeah, it's still the same. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, I can't tell you how many people caught hepatitis. You ready? In the 80s, from taking a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill, rolling it up, Snorting the line, then you snorted off the same hundred dollar bill you did, you did, and the mucus from your nose, bang, the hepatitis spread. Yep. Like crazy. Yep. So now take it from there. So these kids go out, they're hanging, they're in Mexico, they're here, they're there. And I, I think the scariest part about all of this is we can actually look back at history and say that campaigns like DARE 
where we tried to educate kids about the dangers actually backfired because why well because is that why it's no longer in the school system yeah they pulled it from the school systems just because they've looked at the data to say that it actually did more harm than it did good and one of the biggest pieces actually and in the line of work that I'm in I'm a big proponent of using cannabis and replacement for all sorts of pharmaceuticals including opioids it's what my research is currently in when you have a campaign like D.A.R.E. saying marijuana is just as dangerous as heroin, and then you have kids go out and test that theory. Wait, hold on. Isn't it if it's cut with fentanyl, too? If it has fentanyl in it. But if you look at the overall percentage of where people are getting their supply of cannabis these days, largely from dispensaries, we're not yeah. talking about fentanyl at that point. So even before the age of fentanyl, if we just go back to D.A.R.E., and we had teenagers actually testing the research that the police officers and the school administration were using to say drugs are bad and here's why. Now they go out and they use marijuana and none of what they are experiencing is what they've been told from the D.A.R.E. program. So now they're like, okay, we don't even trust you guys. You guys are telling us something that we've disproven in our own lives because we're using marijuana and we're fine. Oh, like when my part. son used to come and, and break my cigarettes because he told me I was a drug addict for smoking after deer. Because in deer, they learned, too, that smoking cigarettes was a, was a drug. Exactly. So my son in fourth grade came home and would throw my cigarettes in there. Why are you throwing my cigarettes away? That to this day. <laughs> That's not a drug. Sounds like something It's I a drug. Do. All right. So basically... We are talking about why we shouldn't do drugs, right? But it, it's easy for somebody like me to say, don't do drugs, don't drink, because I don't do it, right? So, and it's hard for me to say, when I'm stuck at that red light and I can't move my car and I'm paralyzed with fear and I'm calling for help and I gotta take a piece of benzo to get out of that panic attack, right? That's where my weakness comes in. There's no way, like if I don't take it, I can't get myself out of it. So can you equate addiction to anything what I suffer with in a panic attack? Is there anything that you can make me understand? Cindy, think about if I left you... Okay, so you have an addictive personality. You're just not using drugs. You use work as an addiction. So can you survive an entire day without working? No. Then there you go. There's a drug addict. They can't survive an entire day without doing drugs. Yeah, and I think Sammy brings up a great point because in my experience, I can actually apply the philosophy of what addiction looks like with someone who struggles with it. I can apply that same thing to anything that anybody is struggling with in their life. They may not even really be struggling with it. It might just be an obsessive work pattern, let's say, and they feel validation through what they can produce and how great of a star. I fall, fell into this pattern over the last couple of years myself where I'm like, wait a second, this is like a real pattern of workaholism here. My my value in myself only lives in the hands of the people that I'm doing work for. What the hell is this? Like, what worth do I have outside of my job, out of outside of the star employee that I'm being told that I am in every company that I work for? How, who am I outside of that? So any time that you're dependent, that dependency pattern that I talk about all the time with my clients, that dependency pattern gets manifest with some of us in addiction. It manifests in eating disorders with other folks. It manifests as workaholism in others. It manifests as a food addiction so in others. So basically everybody's got problems then. Literally. Who doesn't okay. have problems? Literally. Okay, so basically the work. No one asked you, Ross. My, my, my producer <laughs> just held his hand up. He's got no problems. Oh, yeah, okay. Take, All we'll right there, Ross. If you think so. All right, Ross. Go for a jog out there. Don't get hit by the cards on your time. Um... Okay, hold on, let me grab this. So me going out making a great living to support my kids. Well, addicting is, isn't oh. always a bad thing. Okay, hold on. 
right, this is how I'm going to justify my actions. Don't you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm making a point here. Mm-hmm. I'm justifying my actions. Mm-hmm. So me going out and working like a lunatic so my kids can have a nice life and a good life, grow up in a good community, good schools, their college educations, their high schools paid for, no student loans. Like, um, I'm a addict for that. No. No. No, because we look at that and we say, that. look at how much you've accomplished. Oh. And that's praised in the society. I'm do talk. Oh, okay. but look how much we accomplish in active addiction. I mean, we're able to score drugs for free. We're able to run around and maintain jobs and get to every place on time. We're able to, you know, find veins and play doctor. I mean, we're able to hold a lot together too. But we don't get we don't get praised for all that work. I mean, we're doing our own research on ourselves. We should have a PhD in medicine by the time we're done. And people look at look at us like you know. We're the bottom of the barrel. So it just really depends on perspective on what is socially acceptable in terms of your capital versus what's not socially acceptable in terms of your capital. Okay. Somebody just walks into my office while I'm in my studio on a Saturday night and just doesn't announce themselves. Thanks, Bon. Okay, Bon. Okay, so basically... If she had announced himself, she would have yelled at him, why are you interrupting my radio show? So it doesn't matter what he does, he's always wrong. Do you see the sign on the front door that says, you can't come in? Why He's shaking his head, head no. Say, Cindy, no, I didn't see that sign on a Saturday night. <laughs> Can you speak up? Do you speak? Are you, you mute? It says don't come in. Because of can- what's going on For the right record, here. it's only been there for three <laughs> months. I heart radio studios are closed. Uh, and he, now all of us people. are taping out of our homes and our offices. But why are you here on a Saturday night? You're supposed to be out having a good time. Oh, you got to handle my customers. <laughs> okay, don't be going out and getting drunk tonight because we're talking about alcoholism and drug addiction, okay? Yes, you too. Okay, last night you were pretty drunk when you came to my house and you wanted to kiss my legs. But we won't talk about that, okay? We won't talk about that. So basically, Megan, what were we? What did I say? Come on, Blondie. You were asking if what you do is considered yeah, an addiction. Yeah, you're justifying yourself. I'm justifying myself. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, we, we have to we have to look at it seriously. Your your patterning of work might not be a problem. I mean, we can't just say because you're but a high it? achiever that it's problematic because then we're, you know, what? Then we're demotivating people that are incredibly motivated to get awesome things done in their life. So I don't want to pathologize that and say there's something wrong with that. But I think if, if we just want to kind of take an inside look as to what somebody with addiction would be struggling with it's sort of along the same lines of what can we not go without what do we need to keep us going every day what could have your parents said to you as a whenever you you got involved in drugs a little bit later right how old 21 22 okay that you're supposed to be out of that scene you're supposed oh, to go yeah. and, and I, my generation you did all those stupid things in high school yeah first year two years of college and then you were flying like you were getting your crap together okay oh yeah everybody hold that thought i'm gonna hold that thought i'm Cindy stumpo i'm gonna get us out to break normal and you're listening to WBZ News Radio 1030. We'll be right back. Sponsored by Millennium Marble, Aquarelle Painting, World Auto Body, and Aspen Environmental.
Reynolds on WBZ News Radio 1030. And I'm Cindy, and I'm here with Chad, Sammy, and I'm here with Megan. Go ahead, Megan. Where do we leave off? We're trying to make a comparison. I'm the one in menopause, not you. Yeah, well, here we go. All right, ready? So I'm going to bring it back to the question that you had asked on that last segment. Good. When you struggle with your panic attacks, how mm-hmm. can I help you see from the inside? No, I think the question was, you really got lost. You're in, me- you're in perimenopause now, I think. I think in your... Th- how old are you now? 30 what? Uh, I just turned 35. Okay, so you're not anyway. You're just having that. <laughs> brain fog. Yeah, brain fog. Okay, I think the question was, in your 20s, when you picked it up, right, which was kind of a late... To me, my generation, that'd be late, that yep. you were a late bloomer. Mine too. Y'all generations a late bloomer too, and Chad jaws too because you're seven years apart. Uh, he is just a late bloomer. His rest of generation, no. He's just a late everything. I don't know. It was different for me. I went to a sports academy, so I didn't really see that. Like, oh, that's true. He didn't see that in high school. That is true. They did maybe performance. We're all training know. every single day. There was no. But no one could do that. Yeah. In your twenties, when you got started, after the first couple times. Did you say, whoa, I need to stop this. Like, this is not going to be good. I'm having too much fun with this. Were you having fun with it right away? Um, Yeah, I was probably. Ha- I would say if I look back, the beginning stages started with cocaine and then it moved into the oxys. And I would say it was fun. But I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I didn't know exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing and I still chose to do it. So there was nothing anybody was going to be able to do to stop me. And I've always just been that way. I'm that way in my work now. The reason why I know what I know now is because I'm very thorough. I literally use myself as the guinea pig and I walk from the inside out. So at that point in my life, I was literally walking addiction from the inside out and I just didn't know that that was the path that I was going to be on. But, you know, that was my path to walk and that wasn't a position that anybody could have taken to steer me away from it. Is there a drug that you've used that you actually miss today? Well, I mean, I would say... If we just talk if about there drugs. Was no, okay, let me rephrase that. If there was no price to pay, no price to pay, no one's going to be pissed at you. You're not going to feel like a loser. You're not going to feel all these horrible thoughts. If there was one drug, because I've asked this to many doctors, mm-hmm. and the answer is always the same. Mm-hmm. What would be the drug you would take if there was no consequences to your actions? That's a tough question. Actions I, and feelings in your body? Just no. No, no, no. Well, because she knows I, the question I asked her. Well, I think about the drugs that I've done in the past and how which drug terrible. would be the drug that you'd go to if there was no consequences to pay of people being disappointed in you, people feeling that you're this, putting a label. What would be your drug of choice of all the drugs you've done? Oh well, I I still use cannabis today, and I use it as part of a spiritual program. So I'm I'm okay. pro cannabis, pro psychedelics too. Doctors, this question. You know what they tell me? What? Opioids. I'm sure. Okay, why is that, doc? Because they make you feel good. Yeah. Now I'm not talking about sticking a needle in your arm. I'm talking about taking a Vicodin and a Percocet, blah blah blah, and then it grows. The addiction grows. But they all say the same thing. If there was no price to pay, and no, so I again. I've taken a painkiller sure. for surgery, and I my guts up, right? Like I never want to see that again. Like tried that, did that once after one of my many breast reductions, right? Right, one of my many, and the first one they gave me, I was just tossing my cookies. So I don't even know why anybody would like that. I don't well, like that. Well, thing. I think for me, if we take sort of your question and we just when we split it up and we say, if I had no environmental and social consequences, would I still use opioids? Maybe. 
But knowing what it does to my serotonin levels and the fact that if I take that medication, even if prescribed for a surgery, I am instantly in one of the deepest states of depression that I could ever imagine within days. There is no incentive for me to ever touch that substance again because that feeling is worse than the addiction. It's worse than any feeling I've ever felt in my life, and I would not wish that on my worst enemy. And that happens very quickly after consuming an opioid. So for me, it's just off the table because it's just never enjoyable, really. Okay. And now why will people stay clean for 5, 8, 10, 15 years, 20 years, then fall off again? What happens? Well, we're seeing that right now in COVID because we have folks that are dependent on getting to meetings like AA meetings and recovery meetings every day. They're reliant on that human connection. And the fact that in COVID, those meetings have been shut down and have now all gone virtual have allowed people the opportunity to hide. They've allowed people the opportunity to isolate. They've allowed the opportunity for people to feel a less self-worth. That's the primary complaint that people are coming to me now in my work. How do I find myself? I feel lost. The structure that I was just in that kept me going is gone. Now what do I do? And I'm flailing. And I don't know. I don't have any direction in my life. I don't know what to do next. And so all of the things that, that kept people plugged in to whatever system they were in, whatever routine they were in, was abolished with COVID. So you have people that were relying on things outside of themselves to help themselves get through every minute of every day, and now it's been ripped away from them. So so this is why the death rates are on the rise. This is why suicidal ideation is in specific, so people having thoughts to take their own lives but not actually acting on it. What's a suicide? What, what's the... What's the um from 19 to 20, do you have the... So interestingly enough, there's been no reported increase in actual completed suicides where people have actually made the attempt and then successfully ended their own life. But the rates of suicidal ideation are up significantly. Now that's just in the United States that we don't have the data on suicide rates. You look at places like Japan, you have actual suicide rates of children and adolescents up by 46%. You have suicide rates of women up by 30 plus something percent. So other countries have the data. I'm waiting for the data to actually reflect what's really going on here because I would argue that we do have a concern here. Okay, and I would have to say that a lot of females, this is not what our show's about, but a lot of, there's a lot of domestic violence going on out yeah. there, right? Yeah. So I think we, if we're, we're donating our time or we're, we're tied into any of this, we know that the domestic violence is up big time. And men are putting their hands on their wives more than ever, and there's no break, and the wife just goes, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. Instead of going to get help, she checks herself out. Yeah. She just takes her life. Now, I see with my kids, my daughter is definitely a workaholic now. She's, she's crossed that line, you know. If my son doesn't get to that gym every day, he doesn't feel right. So he's going, he's running, he's letting off those endorphins, the same as, as if you're getting high, right? Yeah. You're releasing what when you're working out? Well, you get the dopamine hit. Yeah. You get, you know, the reward system is engaged. So you're kind of feeding the brain the kind of the same way that you would in drug addiction by getting that flood of dopamine that hits the reward center where then it becomes addictive. Where now if I don't go to the gym, where now if I don't go on Instagram and get that hit of seeing all those likes of everyone that's validating me, I'm instantly in a state of depression and that's what we're seeing quite a bit actually, especially with the social media. I know someone like that from social media. (laughs) Right, but my son doesn't care too much about social media. He'll put up every once in a while. It absolutely means nothing. Yeah. But you don't let him get to that gym? He'll be like exactly. grizzly bear. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Right, I got to get to the gym. So let me ask you this question. Is, that, is everything a habit when you take it to a, just a ridiculous level? No, I think a definition of a habit, just in my field alone, is like if you if it's 
you engage in something what three plus times it becomes a habit and then it takes that much more time to break a habit than it does to form it. So we're not talking, I mean, you think about people that are prescribed opioids for three days, they have a habit after three That's days. It. Oh yeah. Three days. Just physiologically, you're already built the tolerance. Three and you days. Have a, yep. Three to five days, you're now in the danger zone of being prescribed opioids and then already developing a habit, even though you're taking the prescription as prescribed. So it's, it's really, it's, in order to form a habit, you don't really don't have to do much, really. Exercise included. Exercise included. Yeah. I mean, so why do we do this? To be honest, I if, I, idea, if I don't kids, get addicted to going to the gym, I won't go. Well, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I listen, that's, I don't know. I just think that, I don't know what I think. There's got to be like, let's do merry-go-round. Merry, merry, merry-go-round. <laughs> like we do that four times a day, we'll become addicted to that. I just think that there's good addictions and there's bad addictions. And I will always believe that. My addiction for work Yep, like That's I said, a good addiction. I, it's not. Listen, but there was some bad because I missed a lot of your golf tournaments. I was, I, I actually try to be everything for her, because yep. he had his dad. Yep. You know what I mean? So I'm not a golfer. His yeah, father was. That was different because you couldn't fly. You should feel like zero that, guilt for that. Yeah, I was I, not. I was not the greatest softball player. I yeah, was not any of these things. Any so like phenom, Freddie, these things mom, turned out just. Fine. I saw you working hard. I loved watching that. I never put any guilt on you or anything like that. I you asked us that question every day for our whole life. Would you want mommy to stay home? No. <laughs> no, go, mom, go work. I was a better person for that addiction. I was because yeah. when I come home, I would want to just be with my kids and hang out. But I don't want my kids using, and yeah. nobody wants their kids using. No, and, and, and we're going to take this into a second weekend, as you know. But what advice before we get down ne- into the next weekends um, about all of it? Like, really, I just want to set up the scene and try to keep it a little bit light tonight, but. How can we stop our kids from running? Is there any advice that you can give to parents that are listening? What's something they might say that maybe could trigger that 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old's brain that says, you know what, I never wanted to let down my family, so maybe that was another big thing, but what can you say? What, what, could, what advice could you tell a parent to say to a child? Well, what I'll say right now about the young people that are struggling, if we can just go and back. again, hold that thought. We're going off to break again. I'm Cindy Stumpel. You listen to WBZ News Radio 1030, and we'll be right back with Megan's answer. What a drag it is getting old. Welcome back to Tough as Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. And I'm Cindy, and I'm here with Sammy, Chad, and Megan. All right, so to answer your question, and I think, you know, on the next episode that we do, I think we need to unpack this a little bit. But the quick answer is consider what death by despair means. Young people are dying by suicides and overdoses. Why? Because they're hopeless, they have no hope in the future. The parents need to actually hone in by demonstrating that we can heal together as a family, we can support each other as a family and find ways that these kids can have outlets, whether that be sports, something they love, a passion. That's really the important part. Thank you, Megan. We can't wait to see you next week. And thank you for coming on our show and educating us. It's not very often my mom gets educated. No, Megan always teaches me something. I love it. But thank you, guys. This is Tough as Nails, and I'm not Cindy Stumpo on WBZ News Radio 1030. Have a great, safe weekend. We'll see you next weekend. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of 
social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.